Section one of Sam Lawson's Old Town Fireside Stories by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in June 2015. Section one The Ghost in the Mill come sam tell us a story said i as harry and i crept to his knees in the glow of the bright evening firelight while aunt lois was busily rattling the tea-things and grandmamma at the other end of the fireplace was quietly setting the heel of a blue mixed yarn stocking in those days we had no magazines and daily papers each reeling off a serial story once a week the columbian sentinel came from boston with its slender stock of news and editorial but all the multiform devices pictorial narrative and poetical which keep the mind of the present generation ablaze with excitement had not then even an existence there was no theatre no opera there were in old town no parties or balls except perhaps the annual election or thanksgiving festival and when winter came and the sun went down at half-past four o'clock and left the long dark hours of evening to be provided for the necessity of amusement became urgent hence in those days chimney-corner story-telling became an art and an accomplishment society then was full of traditions and narratives which had all the uncertain glow and shifting mystery of the firelight hearth upon them they were told to sympathetic audiences by the rising and falling light of the solemn embers with the hearth crickets filling up every pause then the aged told their stories to the young tales of early life tales of war and adventure of forest days of indian captivities and escapes of bears and wildcats and panthers of rattlesnakes of witches and wizards and strange and wonderful dreams and appearances and providences in those days of early massachusetts faith and credence were in the very air two-thirds of new england was then dark unbroken forests through which tangled paths and mysterious winter wind groaned and shrieked and howled with weird noises and unaccountable clamors along the iron-bound shore the stormful atlantic raved and thundered and dashed its moaning waters as if to deaden and deafen any voice that might tell of the settled life of the old civilized world and shut us forever into the wilderness a good storyteller in those days was always sure of a warm seat at the hearthstone and the delightful homage of children and in all old town there was no better storyteller than sam lawson do tell us a story said harry pressing upon him and opening very wide blue eyes in which undoubtful faith shone as in a mirror and let it be something strange and different from common well i know lots of strange things said sam looking mysteriously into the fire why i know things that if i should tell why people might say they weren't so but then they is so for all that oh do do tell us why i should scare you to death maybe said sam doubtingly oh pooh no you wouldn't we both burst out at once but sam was possessed by a reticent spirit and loved dearly to be wooed and importuned 
and so he only took up the great kitchen tongs and smote on the hickory fore stick when it flew apart in the middle and scattered a shower of clear bright coals all over the hearth mercy on us sam lawson said aunt lois in an indignant voice spinning round from her dishwashing don't you worry a grain miss lois said sam composedly i see that there stick was eaten almost in two and i thought i'd just settle it i'll sweep up the coals now he added vigorously applying a turkey wing to the purpose as he knelt on the hearth his spare lean figure glowing in the blaze of the firelight and getting quite flushed with exertion there now he said when he had brushed over and under and between the fire-irons and pursued the retreating ashes so far into the red fiery citadel that his finger-ends were burning and tingling that there's done now as well as hepsy herself could have done it i allers sleeps up the hearth i think it's part of the man's business when he makes the fire but hepsy's so used to seeing me a-doin on it that she don't see no kind of merit in it it's just as parson lothrop said in his sermon folks allers overlook their common marcies but come sam that story said harry and i coaxingly pressing upon him and pulling him down into his seat in the corner lordy massy these ere young'uns said sam there's never no contentin on em and they just swallers it as a dog does a gob of meat and they're all ready for another what do you want to hear now now the fact was that sam's stories had been told us so often that they were all arranged and ticketed in our minds we knew every word of them and could set him right if he varied a hair from the usual track and still the interest in them was unabated still we shivered and clung to his knees at the mysterious parts and felt gentle cold chills run down our spines at appropriate places we were always in the most receptive and sympathetic condition to-night in particular was one of those thundering stormy ones when the winds appeared to be holding a perfect mad carnival over my grandfather's house they yelled and squealed round the corners they collected in troops and came tumbling and roaring down chimney they shook and tattled the buttery door and the sink-room door and the cellar door and the chamber door with a constant undertone of squeak and clatter as if at every door were a cold discontented spirit tired of the chill outside and longing for the warmth and comfort within well boys said sam confidentially what'll ye have tell us come down come down we both shouted with one voice this was in our mind an a number one among sam's stories ye mustn't be frightened now said sam paternally oh no we aren't frightened ever said we both in one breath not when ye go down the cellar after cider said sam with severe scrutiny if ye should be down cellar and the candle should go out now i ain't said i i ain't afraid of anything i never knew what it was to be afraid in my life well then said sam i'll tell you this year's what cap'n ebb sawin told me when i was a boy about your bigness i reckon cap'n ebb sawin was a most remarkable man your grandfather knew him very well and he was a deacon in the church in dedham afore he died he was at lexington when the first gun was fired agin the british he was a dreadful smart man cap'n ebb was and driv team a good many years atween here and boston he married lois peabody that was cousin to your grandfather then 
lois was a real sensible woman and i've heard her tell the story as he told her and it was just as he told it to me just exactly and i shall never forget it if i live to be nine hundred years old like methuselah you see along back in them times there used to be a fellow come round these ere parts spring and fall a peddling goods with his pack on his back and his name was jahil lamidew nobody rightly knew where he come from he wasn't much of a talker but the women rather liked him and kind of liked to have him round women will like some fellas when men can't see no sort of reason why they should and they liked this here lamadou though he was kind of mournful and thin and shad-bellied and had nothing to say for himself but it got to be so that the women would count and calculate so many weeks before it was time for lamadou to be along and they'd make up ginger snaps and preserves and pies and make him stay to tea at their houses and feed him up on the best there was and the story went round that he was a courtin phoebe ann parker or phoebe ann was a courtin him folks didn't rightly know which well all of a sudden lamadou stopped coming round and nobody knew why only just he didn't come it turned out that phoebe ann parker had got a letter from him saying he'd be along afore thanksgiving but he didn't come neither afore nor at thanksgiving time nor arter nor next spring and finally the women they gin up looking for him some said he was dead some said he was gone to canada and some said he had gone over to the old country well as to phoebe ann she acted like a gal of sense and married bijah moss and thought no more about it she took the right view on it and said she was certain that all things was ordered out for the best and it was just as well folks couldn't always have their own way and so in time lamy do was gone out of folks's mind much as last year's apple blossom it's really affecting to think how little these ere folks is missed that's so much sought by there ain't nobody if there's ever so important but what the world gets to going on without em pretty much as it did with em though there's some little flurry at first well the last thing that was in anybody's mind was that they ever should hear from lamy do again but there ain't nothing but what has its time a turning up and it seems his turn was to come well you see was the nineteenth of march when captain ebb swain started with a team for boston that day there come on about the biggest snowstorm that there'd been in them parts since the oldest man could remember twas this ere fine sifting snow that drives in your face like needles with a wind to cut your nose off and it made teaming pretty tedious work captain ebb was about the toughest man in them parts he'd spent days in the woods a logging and he'd been up to the district of maine a lumbering and was about up to any sort of thing a man generally could be up to but these ere march winds sometimes does set on a fellow so that neither nature nor grace can stand em the captain used to say he could stand any wind that blew one way at a time for five minutes but come to winds that blew all four points at the same minute why they flustered him well that was the sort of weather it was all day and by sundown captain ebb he got clean bewildered so that he lost his road and when night came on he didn't know nothing where he was 
you see the country was all under drift and the air so thick with snow that he couldn't see a foot for him and the fact was he got off the boston road without knowing it and came out at a pair of bars not up sherburn where old cack sparrock's mill is your grandpa used to know old cack boys he was a dreadful drinking old critter that lived there all alone in the woods by himself attending saw and grist mill he wasn't always just what he was then time was that cack was a pretty considerably likely young man and his wife was a very respectable woman deacon amos pettingal's daughter from sherburn but you see the year after his wife died cack he gin up going to meetings sundays and all the tithing men and select men could do they couldn't get him out to meetin', and when a man neglects means of grace and sanctuary privileges they ain't no saying what he'll do next why boys just think on it an immortal critter lying round loose all day sunday and not putting on so much as a clean shirt when all spectable folks has on their best clothes and is to meet and worshipping the lord what can you expect to come of it when he lies idling round in his old weekday clothes fishing or some such but what the devil should be out of him at last as he was after old cack here sam winked impressively to my grandfather in the opposite corner to call his attention to the moral which he was interweaving with his narrative well you see cap meb he told me that when he come to them bars and looked up and saw the dark a-comin round and the storm a-thickenin up he felt that things was gettin pretty considerable serious there was a dark piece of woods on ahead of him inside the bars and he knew come to get in there the light would give out clean so he just thought he'd take the hoss out of the team and go ahead a little and see where he was so he driv his oxen up again the fence and took out the hoss and got on him and pushed along through the woods not rightly knowing where he was going well afore long he see a light through the trees and sure enough he come out to cat sparrock's old mill it was a pretty considerably gloomy sort of place that our old mill was there was a great fall of water that come rushing down the rocks and fell in a deep pool and it sounded sort of wild and lonesome but captain ebby knocked on the door with his whip handle and got in there to be sure sat old cat beside a great blazing fire with his rum jug at his elbow he was a dreadful fellow to drink cat was for all that there was some good in him for he was pleasant spoken and obliging and he made the captain welcome you see cack said captain ebb i'm off my road and got snowed up down by your bars says he want to know says cack calculate you'll just have to camp down here till morning says he well so old cack he got out his tin lantern and went with captain ebb back to the bars to help him fetch along the critters he told him he could put em under the mill shed so they got the critters up to the shed and got the cart under and by that time the storm was awful but cack he made a great roaring fire cause you see cack always had slab wood aplenty from his mill and a roaring fire is just so much company it sort of keeps a fellow's spirits up a good fire does so cack he sot on his tea kettle and made a swingerin lot of toddy and he and Captain Ebb were having a tolerable comfortable time there. Cack was a pretty good hand to tell stories, and Captain Ebb weren't no way backward in that line, and kept up his end pretty well. 
and pretty soon they was a roaring and a haw hiding inside about as loud as the storm outside when all of a sudden about midnight there come a loud rap on the door lord massy what's that says cat folks is rather startled allers to be checked up sudden when they're a-carrying on and laughing and it was such an awful blowy night it was a little scary to have a rap on the door well they waited a minute and didn't hear nothing but the wind a-screeching round the chimney and old cack was just going on with his story when the rap come again harder than ever as if it shook the door open well says old cack if tis the devil we'd just as good's open and have it out with him to honest says he and so he got up and opened the door and sure enough there was old kettery there expect you've heard your grandma tell about old kettery she used to come to meetings sometimes and her husband was one of the praying indians but kettery was one of the real wild sort and you couldn't no more convert her than you could convert a wildcat or a panther lordy massy Kettery used to come to meetin' and sit there on them Indian benches, and when the second bell was a-tollin', and when Parson Lothrop and his wife was comin' up the broadside, and everybody in the house riz up and stood, Kettery would sit there and look at em out of the corner of her eyes, and folks used to say she rattled them necklaces or rattlesnake tails and wildcat teeth and such like heathen trumpery, and looked for all the world as if the spirit of the old serpent herself was in her i've seen her sit and look at lady lothrop out the corner of her eyes and her old brown baggy neck would kind of twist and work and her eyes they looked so that twas enough to scare a body for all the world she looked just as if she was a workin up to spring at her lady lothrop was just as kind to kettery as she always was to every poor critter she'd bow and smile as gracious to her when meetin was over and she come down the aisle passin out a meetin but kettery never took no notice you see kettery's father was one of them great powwows down to martha's vineyard and people used to say she was set apart when she was a child to the service of the devil anyway she never could be made nothing of in a christian way she come down to parson lothrop's study once or twice to be catechized but he couldn't get a word out of her and she kind of seemed to sit scornful while he was a-talkin folks said if it was in old times kettery wouldn't have been allowed to go on so but parson lothrop's sort of mild he let her take pretty much her own way everybody thought that kettery was a witch at least she knew considerable more than she ought to know and so they was kind of afraid on her cat meb says he never see a fella seem scareder than cat did when he see kettery standin there why you see boys she was as withered and wrinkled and brown as an old frosted pumpkin vine and her little snaky eyes sparkled and snapped and it made your head kind of dizzy to look at em and folks used to say that anybody that kettery got mad at was sure to get the worst of it first or last and so no matter what day or hour kettery had a mind to rap at anybody's door folks generally thought it was best to let her in but then they never thought her coming was for any good for she was just like the wind she came when the fit was on her she stayed just so long as it pleased her and went when she got ready and not before kettery understood english and could talk it well enough but always seemed to scorn it and was allers more wind and muttering to herself in indian and winking and blinking as if she saw more folks round than you did so that she weren't no way pleasant company 
and yet everybody took good care to be polite to her so old cack asked her to come in and didn't make no question where she come from or what she come on but he knew it was twelve good miles from where she lived to his hut and the snow was drifted above her middle and captain ebb declared that there weren't no track nor sign of a track or anybody's coming through the snow next morning how did she get there then said i didn't you never see brown leaves a-riding on the wind well captain ebb he says she came on the wind and i'm sure it was strong enough to fetch her but cack he got her down into the warm corner and he poured her out a mug of hot toddy and give her but you see her being there sort of stopped the conversation for she sat there a rockin backwards and forwards a sippin her toddy and a mutterin and lookin up chimbly Captain says in all his born days he never heard such screeches and yells as the wind give over that chimbley and old cat got so frightened he could fairly hear his teeth chatter but Captain Ebb was a pretty brave man, and he weren't going to have conversation stopped by no woman, witch or no witch. And so when he see her muttering and looking up chimbley, he spoke up and says he, Well, Kittery, what do you see? says he. Come, out with it. Don't keep it to yourself. You see, Captain Ebb was a hearty fellow, and then he was a little warmed up with the toddy. Then he said he see an evil kind of smile on Kettery's face. Then she rattled her necklace of bones and snake's tails, and her eyes seemed to snap, and she looked up the chimney and called out, Come down, come down, let's see who you be. Then there was a scratching and a rumbling and a groan, and a pair of feet come down the chimney and stood right in the middle of the hearth, the toes pointing outwards, with shoes and silver buckles a-shining in the firelight. Captain Ebb says he never comes so near being scared in his life, and as to old Cack, he just wilted right down in his chair. Then old Kittery got up and reached her stick up chimbley and called out louder, Come down, come down, let's see who you be. And sure enough, down came a pair of legs and joined right on to the feet. Good fair legs they was, with ribbed stockings and leather breeches well we're in for it now says captain ebb go it kittery and let's have the rest on him kittery didn't seem to mind him so she stood there as stiff as a stake and kept calling out come down come down let's see who ye be and then come down the body of a man with the brown coat and yellow vest and joined right on to the legs but there weren't no arms to it then Kittery shook her stick up chimbley and called, Come down, come down. And there came down a pair of arms and went on each side of the body, and there stood a man all finished, only there weren't no head on him. Well, Kittery, says Captain Ebb, this here's getting serious. I spec you must finish him up and let's see what he wants of us. Then Kittery called out once more, louder than ever, Come down, come down, let's see who ye be and sure enough down comes the man's head and settled on the shoulders straight enough and captain ebb the minute he set eyes on him knew he was jahil lomidu old cack knew him too and he fell flat on his face and prayed the lord to have mercy on his soul but captain ebb he was forgetting to the bottom of matters and not have his scare for nothing so he says to him what do you want now you have come 
the man he didn't speak he only sort of moaned and pointed to the chimney he seemed to try to speak but couldn't for you see it isn't often that his sort of folks is permitted to speak but just then there came a screeching blast of wind and blowed the door open and blowed the smoke and fire all out into the room and there seemed to be a whirlwind and darkness and moans and screeches and when it all cleared up kedry and the man was both gone and only old cat lay on the ground rolling and moaning as if he'd die well cat mab picked him up and built up the fire and sort of comforted him up cause the critter was in distress of mind that was dreadful the awful providence you see had awakened him and his sin had been set home to his soul and he was under such conviction that it all had to come out how old cack's father had murdered poor lamy do for his money and cack had been privy to it and helped his father build the body up in that very chimbley and he said that he hadn't had neither peace nor rest since then and that was what had driven him away from ordinances for you know sinning will always make a man leave praying well cat didn't live but a day or two cat meb he got the minister sherburn and one of the selectmen down to see him and they took his deposition and parson Carrill he prayed with him and was faithful in setting home the providence to his soul and so at the eleventh hour poor old cat might have got in at least it looks a little like it he was distressed to think he couldn't live to be hung he sort of seemed to think that if he was fairly tried and hung it would make it all square he made parson Carrill promise to have the old mill pulled down and bury the body and after he was dead they did it cap meb he was one of a party of eight that pulled down the chimney and there sure enough was the skeleton of poor lamadew so there you see boys there can't be no inquiry so hid but what it'll come out the wild indians of the forest and the stormy winds and tempests joined together to bring out this year for my part said aunt lois sharply i never believed that story why lois said my grandmother captain ed sowen was a regular church member and a most respectable man law mother i don't doubt he thought so i suppose he and cat got drinking toddy together till he got asleep and dreamed it i wouldn't believe such a thing if it did happen right before my face and eyes i should only think i was crazy that's all come lois if i was you i wouldn't talk so like a sadducee said my grandmother what would become of all the accounts in dr cotton mather's magnilly if folks were like you well said sam lawson drooping contemplatively over the coals and gazing into the fire there's a pretty considerable side of things in this world that's true and then again there's a side of things that ain't true now my old grandfather used to say boys says he if you want to lead a pleasant and prosperous life you must contrive always to keep just the happy medium between truth and falsehood now that tires my doctrine aunt lois knit severely boys said sam don't you want to go down with me and get a mug of cider of course we did and took down a basket to bring up some apples to roast boys said sam mysteriously while he was drawing the cider you just ask your aunt lois to tell you what she knows about ruth sullivan why what is it oh you must ask her these here folks that's so kind of toppin about spirits and such come sift em down 
you generally finds they knows one story that kind of puzzles em. now you mind and just ask your aunt lois about ruth sullivan end of the ghost in the mill